Welcome to the Consumer Rundown Podcast, your destination for the people, companies, and trends transforming today's consumer market. We are your hosts. I'm Penny. And I'm Dimitri. On today's special episode of the Consumer Rundown Podcast, we are joined by Nate Rosen to talk about the trends and the news going on in the world of consumer. Nate, great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Before we do a deep dive, do you want to do a quick introduction of yourself? Sure. Happy to. So my name's Nate Rosen. I am the founder and writer of Express Checkout. It's a weekly newsletter covering the weekly news of the world of commerce, CPG, retail, e-commerce. My full-time job, I'm chief of staff at Agile Media Group, which is a data-driven out-of-home truck-side advertising company, which is always a mouthful to say, but also very fun. That's a great intro. You mentioned that you have a newsletter. Tell us more about it. When I got started in the CPG space, one of my goals was just to read. So I started to gather a lot of news sites and places where a lot of news was shared and also places where insights were shared as well through various means. So through Twitter, through communities like Startup CPG, through Snackshot, through thing testing, through a variety of other sources and built this repository of key information about the space. It eventually expanded beyond just food and bev to beauty, wellness, hard goods, soft goods, supply chain, e-commerce enablement companies. And while I've been a grossly online person, I've started to realize that a lot of people were heavily indexing, at least on like Twitter and LinkedIn, on a couple news stories throughout the week. And I felt like a lot of people were missing very interesting, albeit smaller stories across the world of commerce. And these stories I felt were very important to a lot of different people from investors to founders to different operators throughout the space. And I wanted to share that. I wanted to share that more broadly because I felt like these stories were going unheard and needed to be discussed. So to start, I did a couple Twitter threads for a couple weeks, got a lot of good feedback from that, but always with the goal of starting a newsletter with the notion of curating everything in the space into one direction. Originally, I was just going to do CPG news, but realized that one, my passions lie within CPG, but also beyond CPG in like, okay, what is Walmart doing with their distribution centers? What is FedEx doing? Like things that interact with the world of CPG and consumer brands, but aren't necessarily about CPG and consumer brands. So started a newsletter called Express Checkout. Shout out to my friend, Scott Howard, who came up with the name. He's an investor in the space and is very good at naming, surprisingly. I think it's like perfect, rolls off the tongue. It's very, very appropriate for what I'm talking about. So started the newsletter in yeah November 2022 pretty much in the same form that it's always been since the start. I think the first like three weeks was a little bit different and I've slowly reformatted it to something that makes sense. That's the most digestible that I could make it. You know, each each issue is about 2,500 to 3,000 words long. And it's a mix of, you know, my own thoughts, my own opinions, things I've done throughout the week and then broken out into CPG and consumer news, retail news, supply chain news, e-commerce news, and he raises throughout the week. And then it covers interesting articles, videos, podcasts that I've listened to. And then there's a trend section. 
And then after that, and the final section is things I've tried. Usually it's food. Sometimes it's wellness. Sometimes it's a t-shirt company. Mostly it's food and bed. That's where I got my start. I think it's a great resource. I read it every week and I highly recommend it to everyone I meet within the space. Luckily, there's a lot of people who read it every week, which I'm very grateful for. Let's dive in. What are the big stories that people are talking about? I think one that uh, definitely shook a lot of people is uh, House. The low aperitif brand is back. It was acquired by the Naked Market, which owns brands including Rob's Backstage Popcorn, which is the Jonas Brothers popcorn brand, and Flock Foods, and a variety of other CPG companies. So they acquired it, and they relaunched with just three of their previously best-selling products. They're going to be continued sold D2C, but they're going to start expansion to retail, which is really smart because the brand previously was not really into retail or food service. They were mostly a D2C brand. Retail, food service, that's the way to grow. That's where the money is. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Excited to see that brand come back too. I thought it was an interesting brand. Helena and Woody, the founders of that brand, built something really powerful. I'm excited to see it back. And to give our listeners a bit of a background, House launched in 2018 and was very successful. It's one of the first brands to focus on that low alcohol segment of the market. By the time it shut down in August of last year, it had raised roughly $8.5 million. And I believe one of the reasons it did shut down was because Constellation Brands had committed to funding its Series A, but pulled out last minute. What do you think happened to the business? Part of it was probably the pandemic. We saw some rise pre-pandemic, and then obviously with the pandemic, it's really, it was really hard to do retail. It was really hard to do food service. So D2C was the way to go, but D2C for beverage is expensive. It's very hard. You're shipping heavy liquid. You're shipping heavy liquid in glass bottles across the country that have beautiful packaging, beautiful aesthetics. That costs a lot. So there might be something there in terms of just like the cost of D2C beverage, let alone alcohol. I've purchased house in the past. It was beautiful packaging, beautiful unboxing, but I have to imagine that that was an expensive endeavor. And making that pivot to retail and food service, especially in the pandemic, it's hard. So I think that definitely had something to do with it. I'm sure there are other factors at play that aren't shown to us, but I am excited to see it back and excited to see it in in food service, especially. I think that could be a really interesting play for them. I'll be interested to see how the relaunch goes. That space has definitely become more competitive over the last 12 months. And the holding company which bought it, it's called Naked Market. I think its tagline is CPG for Millennials by Millennials. So it's an interesting play that they're making uh, with this with this brand. One event that you got to go to, which I'm very jealous about, is the Fancy Food Show. How was that experience? Did you come across anything interesting? So I came across a bunch of interesting things. I think what I would say the most impressive product that I came across was off-pissed plant-based jerky. I think I'm saying it right. It's a ski term, apparently. I learned that after the fact. It's a brand out of Utah. They make plant-based jerky. It is The reason I say it's the most impressive is because the texture and taste was like almost one-to-one with 
like a good jerky brand, like a field trip jerky, for example. I was really impressed with how they made it. I love jerky, but to be honest, I haven't been able to find a good one that's plant-based. What was the main ingredient of this one? So the main ingredient was pea protein, was the first thing that was listed, I believe, which was also impressive because usually pea protein, it can lean grainy, it can taste weird. My experience with pea protein has been fairly negative. I've tried a number of pea protein powders and have not liked any of them. It's a very weird taste. I think one of the best ready-to-drink protein shakes that I've had, other than, you know, Fairlife makes one that's pretty good, and there's those, like, bigger name brands, but uh, more in, like, the emerging side of Koya, K-O-I-A. I think that one's a really impressive product. I don't know their protein base, actually. I think it actually, it potentially could be pea. I could look it up and not spew anything wrong, but that one's actually a pretty good one. So if you haven't tried that yet, I would recommend that. I'll definitely try it. Any other products that you were impressed by at the show? There's a brand called Armored Fresh, which makes almond milk-based cheese. They had another very impressive product. It's essentially a craft single cheddar cheese slice, which I tried a grilled cheese that they made on site with that product. Very good. Tasted like I was eating craft. It's very impressive. But they also had my, what I would call, weirdest product. They had this box of cubed cheese and they had a blueberry flavor. Wasn't the best. And it was just kind of odd. But their other product, I think their sliced cheese was excellent and very impressive, especially for a plant-based cheese. The one story I definitely want to talk about, and this has been fairly controversial, is Blake Lively's Betty Boo's launch. What do you think about it? Yeah, Blake Lively, who founded Betty Buzz, which is in marketed as an NA spritz, basically a, a flavored seltzer, a flavored tonic. She came out with a alcoholic RTD vodka-based drink. And Blake Lively doesn't drink. And a lot of people thought it was hypocritical of her to come out with a boozy RTD when she doesn't drink. I understand that argument. I don't know if it's totally fair. It makes sense as a line extension. She's still leveraging her own clout and namesake. I definitely wish that she partnered with Ryan Reynolds on Aviation Gin to do a Betty Buzz Aviation Gin RTD. I know they've partnered in the past a little bit in some co-marketing activities, but I think it would have been really cool to have a co-branded RTD with Betty Buzz and with Aviation Gin. Also, the name... Betty Booze. It's fun. Playful. I really like the name too. It's fun. It's catchy. Rolls up the tongue. And I was really surprised that it has created so much controversy. For me at least, you can separate her lifestyle choices with her business decision making. She's not preaching that consumers shouldn't drink because she doesn't drink. But with this product launch, she's trying to meet a real market demand. And this extension really does make sense. I think it would have been worse if she came out and said... I'm going to start drinking, but only drink this product. Also, she didn't come out with like a craft, a distilled spirit. She mixed vodka and her NA spritz. That doesn't bother me. If she came out with a vodka, just a vodka, that would be a little bit odd. But she mixed Betty Buzz, which is essentially a flavored seltzer or flavored tonic with an alcohol. 
that's less offensive than if she came out with bourbon, a gin, a vodka. There's art to it, there's craft, but if it's an RTD, you're just mixing vodka and seltzer. That's not an offensive thing. Although having said that, I think in her initial post, she said, I care about flavors and this product tastes great. And someone in the comments very smartly pointed out, but if you don't drink, how how do you know about the flavors? How do you know it actually tastes great? That's really funny. She should be called out for that. Or her marketing team should be called out for that. I think in the end, a week from now, most consumers are not going to remember this. And most consumers probably don't even know she doesn't drink. They'll see it in their liquor store and be like, oh, this is Blake Lively's plan. I'll buy it. We're very tuned into this space, and I had no clue she didn't drink. We're at the beginning of Q3. We're halfway through the year. Fundraising within CPG has been down dramatically. But having said that, have you come across any interesting new fundraising rounds that have occurred? One that definitely comes to mind is Gorgie's $6.5 million pre-seed funding. According to the press release, the largest food and bev pre-seed fund raise ever. Which sounds right. $6.5 million pre-seed is a lot to raise. A lot. When just, just launched. Something else that really surprised me was that there was no venture capital money in this round. It all came from individual investors. That's interesting. I've tried the product, good product. I've seen retail, seems to move, good price point, good flavors, and a great founder. The founder, she started, I believe it was called Lively, which has done very well. She had that network to be able to raise that amount for this brand. And Good for her, too. It's a tough environment to raise from. This raise was pretty recent. It's going to enable her to really push, do that retail push that they're clearly doing. It's clear to me that they're emphasizing retail over any online channels based off what I've seen, what one here in New York and just from what I've seen on their own channels. So I think it's interesting. It's a lot of money to raise right off the bat, but food and bed, you need money to scale. If you really want to scale fast, kind of how you're going to do it. Having said that, it is a competitive space. How does Gorgie stand out? It's a very strong brand voice too. Similar to like a Ghost or a C4 where the direction that that brand is going and the audience that that brand is targeting, it's very clear which direction it's going in. So I think there's a lot of legs with that brand. There's also not a lot of energy drinks in that category. Similar ones, I would say, like Alani New or is kind of in that space. Maybe Juvie is another one that I would pin in that realm. But Gorgie definitely, I think, stands out as a contender for targeting a, an interesting audience. As an investor, I love the energy category. There's still a lot of tailwinds behind it, even though a lot of investment has gone into it. Just macro trends over the last few years. A few years ago, these drinks had about 100 milligrams of caffeine in them. But now we've gone from 100 to 140, 160. Now we're reaching 200. I have my ghost. I like ghost. That's my energy drink of choice. I was a Celsius guy for a bit. Still like Celsius and I would still get it, but uh, ghost is is my favorite. I had a bubblicious cotton candy flavored one (laughs) recently. I think you're going to laugh at this, but I have a theory about caffeine and sleep supplements. So two trends that I think are very interesting. On the one hand, 
caffeine intake is increasing. On the other hand, all these companies are coming out with sleep aids. If you look at these sleep aids, uh, the main ingredient for a lot of these products is going to be melatonin. And uh, if you've ever taken melatonin, and if you don't sleep a full night, it makes you drowsy. So to me, on the one hand, you're taking melatonin to sleep, but you end up being drowsy in the morning. So you uptake your caffeine intake, which keeps you awake. So it's a cycle that just keeps feeding on itself. So if you were a ghost, you would sell a sleep powder and you would continue to sell your pre-workout 300 milligrams of caffeine that makes you jitter, run off the walls. Then you're set. You got all corners. Then you have the branch chain amino acid powder for post-workout. Then you have the protein. You cover everything. You're just drinking function throughout the entire day. Exactly. Sticking with the caffeine theme, another company that raised quite a bit of money, around $7 million in the last few months, is Chamberlain Coffee. What do you think of the way Emma is building her brand and leveraging the YouTube platform that she built to now move into consumer products? Clearly, it's working. I think the second raise that they did, definitely like the hairs on my neck kind of raise is a little skeptical on that one, but it seems to be working. And from what I've heard, they're selling really well online, they're moving products, and it aligns really well with Emma and her personal brand and her association with coffee, especially iced coffee, as she's been a creator on YouTube over the past couple of years. I think a, a different pun not intended, a different beast than Feastables and, and his chocolate bar and, and candy empire he's building, the little Willy Wonka. But coffee is a repeatable purchase. It becomes part of your routine. I think the one issue is like a lot of Chamberlain's audience is younger and they're not necessarily drinking coffee. I've heard that their matcha skew actually does really well, at least online, which is very interesting. And I think matcha, generally speaking, is a more approachable product than coffee. It's just more in the cultural lexicon, I guess. I think what she's doing is good. She clearly is trying to incorporate it more into her life and be a CPG founder. I had the pleasure of hearing her speak at Nosh Live about eight months ago, and she was very enthusiastic about the CPG space, wanting to learn a lot, really leaning in heavily into meetings and conversations with the CEO, COO, and investors in Chamberlain Coffee. So there's clearly an appetite there to grow that business. I would love to see studies or something about the name itself. People recognize it. If more normal consumers recognize it, or maybe like my parents go to a store, would they buy that? Is the price point right for them? Is the branding right for them? Do they know who Emma Chamberlain is? I would say my parents are someone who buy a lot of coffee, buy a lot of coffee beans. They have a 16 cup coffee maker. Like they're buying coffee. Would they buy this? Would they buy this over their Starbucks dark roast or their Zabar's pre-ground coffee or Cafe du Monde or, or Seattle's best? There's another one. So I'd be very curious to understand what consumers think about that brand. It's clearly working. They are able to raise. Being able to raise doesn't mean the brand's working, but they're still churning things out. They're still doing collaborations with brands like Swoon, which I have had and does taste very good. I think she's leveraging her name in a good way, and it's cool to see that grow. I did learn recently that Chamberlain Coffee spun out of Bixby Coffee. 
the guy who started Bixby Coffee also went viral during the pandemic for impersonating Tom Cruise on TikTok. And then he started a deep fake tech company off of that TikTok. But he started Bixby Coffee, which helped build Chamberlain Coffee. Very interesting background to that whole thing. That is very interesting. Maybe one of our listeners will dig a little deeper into that one. But great investor base for Chamberlain Coffee, don't you think? Chamberlain has really good investors backing them. LA Libations, Blazer Capital, United Talent Agency. There's a lot backing that, and there's a lot of people who have a lot to lose. My suggestion to them, if I were to suggest anything, lean into coffee shops. I feel like it'd be really... And then like have Emma show up, have her do the thing. I think it would work really well. And maybe that's the direction it'll go going forward. Switching gears a little bit, Another two brands I've been following pretty closely and their fundraising is a company called Better Brand and Hero Bread. These are very similar companies. They're trying to reduce the amount of carbs in bread products. Better Brand raised $6 million a few weeks ago, and then Hero Bread raised $15 million a couple of months ago. And both were valued north of $150 million, which was very surprising to me. I saw that Better Brand is generating, on a run rate basis, about a million dollars of revenue per month, which means the value came in at more than 10x revenue. Do you think these companies can live up to these high valuations? I think one of the interesting things about those is they offer a lot of true function for a lot of people, higher protein, fewer net carbs, more nutrient-rich foods, fewer calories. People still want that. They want a truly better for you, more functional product that tastes and feels like the real thing. I have no doubt in my mind that people want better alternatives to the things they love. There's alternatives to chubby snacks. There's all these alternatives to milks, meats. There's now, I just got a plant-based sushi product that tastes like one for one with very good sushi. It's called Conscious Foods conscious with a K. It's out of Canada. So I think there's like just a big market for that. And then especially for like the health nuts of the world, the people who are running at 5.30 in the morning and then lifting for three hours and they care about what they put in their body, how they put in their body, all that good stuff. There's also like that market, the high protein, low sugar snacks. So I think it all fits into that world. And that world also has always been here and is not going away. There's always been these like lower calories, better for you products and also gluten-free, but they've never really been good. And these are coming out and they're saying, we're good. We are almost or are a one-to-one comp. You don't have to compromise. And that's the big thing. I think a lot of consumers don't want to have to compromise taste, texture, mouthfeel, and all that stuff for their health. I think that's a big trend. So I think that's why these have done so well. Also, like Better Brand has like Alexis Ohanian and some other celebrities involved. Getting getting that in your at least your initial rounds early on, you get some freedom to potentially have a higher valuation or something like that. We've seen that over and over with other brands as well. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a good company or good product, but it definitely helps in terms of raises because people like that stuff. Hero in particular, I've seen them in food service establishments here in New York. I think Just Salad partners with them for their wrap product, 
for them, if they're pursuing food service, that's a great category for them to be in. Impossible grew their brand equity and their brand presence in food service because it gave them the credibility. I think that comes into play here. I think it's a bigger world than it looks just on paper at a raise announcement. One side I did see that I think supports the valuation is the repeat purchase rate. For a hero bread, it's about 70% in DTC and 50% in retail. And what that tells me is that there's a demand for these products and customers are loyal and will continue to buy them. That 70% repeat purchase rate, it means it's good. It means people like it. And it means like they don't feel like they have to compromise on taste to get something that's good and good for them. Another cool fact to note about Better Brand, it's female founded and this fundraise with a valuation of $170 million makes it the highest Series A fundraise ever. So it's really great to see female founders being so successful within CPG. Oh, 100%. Even Gorgie's another good example of that too. And, and Chamberlain Coffee. Well, Nate, it's been great to chat with you. If people are interested in, in subscribing to Express Checkout, what's the best way to do it? ExpressCheckout.co works. It'll bring them right to the subscribe page. And they can also find me on Twitter at Rosenzone. And now on threads, Nate, I think it's underscore underscore Rosen. I think it's two underscores. What's your impression of threads? It's very interesting platform. We'll see what happens with it. It feels sort of clubhouse early days, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. Clubhouse got pretty bad. We'll see where it goes. And I'm also on LinkedIn. I think it's Nate Rosen, not Nathaniel Rosen, but you'll find me. This concludes our interview with Nate Rosen. Thank you all for joining. Please subscribe for more episodes of the Consumer Rundown podcast and visit us at consumerrundown.com. See you next time.